0: How are you? Good. Having a nice morning so far? Good. I say no. <laughs> I'll cry. Okay, let's dive in. So I started last week with, with some of Jesus' very, very closing final words uh, taken from Luke 24, verse 49. He said, I am going, to, I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power. Enduo dunamis. The promise that we would be enduo, that is clothed, endued, anointed with dunamis. This inherent and indwelling and dynamic Holy Spirit power. With that comes the expectation that our Christianity should not be powerless, but powerful. That we should wear a mantle of, of anointing and authority. And that only NGO dunamis can, can we truly be fruitful and multiply. We said last week that, that Jesus' target all along was to get the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we could be transformed from powerless, godless, sin-ruled life into a radical new way of living. That we could be transformed, if you remember, from from well-intentioned but frustrated. Anyone else ever live kind of well-intentioned but a frustrated Christian life? He wants to transform us into living an empowered Christian life. And that's what this new series is all about. Today's message is is Jesus and the Spirit. As always, I don't know about you, I was taught that Jesus was my perfect example. He is is the pattern. He, He is our precedent. He is our example. Bill Johnson described Jesus as perfect theology. And Jesus models or modelled the, the Spirit-led ministry that we aspire to. And that means that, that for us, if we want to live clothed with power, then the key is, is to understand and then to imitate Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the plan, that's where we're going this morning. Let's dive in. I think we had this verse last week, but, but in Acts chapter 10, Peter is at Cornelius' house, and as part of his exposition there, he gives a, a beautiful one-verse, one-line summary of Jesus' ministry. It's Acts 10, 38, it says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That little nugget of a verse contains within it three crucial teaching points, really. Number one, it contains Jesus' ministry mandate. He went around doing good. He went around healing all those who were oppressed, depressed, possessed by the devil for God was with him. It also gives us a clear uh, statement, if you like, of of the respective roles of the Trinity, as we'll see in just a minute. And the third thing it, it does, it reveals our model for ministry, which is anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. So I said, this verse shows us the the respective roles of the three members of the Trinity. The Father, God the Father is the source. He is the one who appoints and he is the one who anoints. Jesus then, Jesus many things. Jesus is the precedent. He he is the model. He he is the, the pattern. He is, of course, the word made flesh. And then the Holy Spirit is the, is the manifester. He is the presence and he is the power. So we see that, that the Father is the anointer, Jesus, the anointed, Christos, Christ means anointed one. And the Holy Spirit, he is the anointing. The Father is the anointer, Jesus was the anointed And the Holy Spirit is the anointing. The Father calls, Jesus enacts and the Spirit enables. So we see in Acts 10 verse 38, the Father who is the source, the one who appoints and anoints, he appointed Jesus, the precedent, to do good and to heal, that's his ministry mandate. And he did so under the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who is the manifester. That's the model. The model is that the Father appoints us as his ambassadors with delegated kingdom power and authority. Jesus, of course, set that that perfect example for us to follow. What we need is to learn how to operate and duo dunamis, in the presence and power of God the Holy Spirit. Now there's a key point that I want, want you to get this morning, and it's this, that Jesus came to earth as a man and operated under the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to earth as a man, and operated, ministered, functioned under the power and influence and leading and anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful passage in Philippians chapter 2, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Verse 7 says this, When the time came, he, that is Jesus, set aside the privileges of deity. A couple of verses versions talk about he, he emptied himself. So Jesus emptied himself and took on the status of a slave, became human. In other words, Jesus came from heaven to earth and he emptied himself and he lived as one anointed. Emptied of what, I hear you ask? Well, Jesus was not emptied of his divine character. He, he was still divine, he was still perfect and pure and holy and sinless and all of those things. What was he emptied of? The answer is he was emptied of his divine power. I remember many, many years ago listening to an old Bible teacher called Roger Price that probably none of you have ever heard of and he preached a series on this and he talked about the the three O's, the omniscience, the omnipresence and the omnipotence of God. The fact that God is all-knowing, the fact that God is all-present, able to be in all places equally at the same time, and that God is omnipotent, that all power belongs to him, that there is nothing beyond his reach or grasp or power. The three O's, if you like. But as Jesus came to earth, he emptied himself of that omniscience. He emptied himself of that omnipresence, obviously, and he emptied himself of that omnipotence. The point is, he left those divine attributes behind. Here's the question. If Jesus came to earth as a man, if he emptied himself of that divine power, if he limited himself to the constraints of this world, how then did he operate? How did he function? How did he live such an extraordinary life of authority and power and wisdom and compassion? The answer is it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit that gave him his power. It was the anointing that gave him the the ability to heal the sick, the ability to perform miracles, to see with prophetic insight, to know what no one else knew. Key point again is that Jesus ministered from spirit empowered humanity rather than from his pre incarnate divinity. And do you know what? If Jesus had operated out of divinity, we could have kind of shrugged our shoulders and said, Well, hey, that rules me out. And after all, we don't have the three O's. You know, I, I don't have perfect character. We're well aware that we have significant flaws, that, that we carry baggage, that we mistake, make mistakes more often than we care to admit. But you know what? We do carry that anointing. We just need to learn how it works. And here's the good news. Jesus gave us a perfect demonstration of anointed ministry. Here's the big idea, I think. If Jesus depended, as we'll see, so completely on the Holy Spirit, how much more should we? I don't know about you, that sounds pretty obvious to me. I don't know about you, I am well aware of my own limitations but I've also had a glimpse. I also recognise the call and commission that God has put on us as his followers. And I also sense an urgency of stepping into what God has purposed for us. So if all that's the case, and I think it is, what can we learn from Jesus about what? Spirit indwells? spirit Empowered, what enduodunamis looks like. What can we learn from Jesus? Here's the plan this morning. Two things really. First of all, we're going to look at Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit. Do that quite quickly. And then the second one is we're going to ask how we ourselves, how we too, how we as his people, we as his church, can cultivate a similar relationship with the Holy Spirit the one that Jesus had. That's the plan. So do the first one, look at Jesus' relationship. We're going to take a quick, lightning quick tour through the Gospels, starting in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. One day when the crowds were being baptised, Jesus himself was baptised. Remember this scene? As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. I think it's important to notice that Jesus did not start ministering. Jesus is about 30 years old at this stage, right? Jesus did not start his ministry until he'd received his anointing. You know, I'm pretty confident that that the childhood Jesus was not performing those apocryphal miracles. You know, turning lumps of clay into doves and those kind of things. And the childhood Jesus, yes, he was still God. Yes, he was still pure and holy. He was still sinless. But he had not yet been anointed. It happens in that passage Luke chapter 3 as the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form. Then from Luke 3 we go into Luke 4, Luke 4 verse 1, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Then the next 10 verses or so we have the account of that temptation and at the end of that 40-day experience Whatever it was that Jesus was doing there in the wilderness. Verse 40, it said, Jesus returned to Galilee, was full of, he was led by. Now it says he's in the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And it's Jesus said in that example that we've talked about. Jesus, we see Jesus here full of the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus led by the Holy Spirit we saw Jesus returning in the power of the Holy Spirit. So our target too is, is to be full of, to be, to be led by, to, to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then of course in Luke chapter four, he, he, went, he went to Nazareth and he went straight to the synagogue where he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, if you remember. And he unveiled, he read, and he unveiled his ministry mandate right there. Luke 4, verse 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He closed up that scroll. And in verse 21 it said, today this scripture is fulfilled right here in your hearing. That um, little little passage there, quoting Isaiah 61, it parallels Acts 10.38, which is where we started I think. We see Jesus anointed by the Spirit. Jesus anointed to preach and to set free. Jesus anointed to heal and to deliver. In other words, we see Jesus ministering not in divinity, but we see him ministering in spirit-empowered, anointed humanity. Then, of course, through the rest of the gospel accounts, which we don't have time to unfold this morning, we, we see there Jesus skillfully ministering as one anointed in every single story. Now, for us 21st century Christians, we rely on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we can read about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, particularly chapter 12. You know, we'll perhaps see these a few weeks down the line, but there were, there were nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Three were power gifts and three were prophetic gifts and then three were utterance gifts. The point I want, I want you to get is that Jesus flowed, Jesus flowed freely, and perfectly and purely in all of those gifts. I'll give you four really quick examples. You know, when Jesus saw right through someone, he was operating in the gift of discernment. Example, Mark 12, sorry, Mark 2 verse 8, Jesus said Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. If Jesus knew, number two, if Jesus knew the the details of of people's circumstances that he had no right to know, Jesus was operating in what we call the word of knowledge. Famous example, John 4, 16, the Samaritan woman at the well, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So the woman said, you must be a prophet. Thirdly, of course, many, many times you see Jesus operating in, in gifts of healings, and in the Greek there, in 1 Corinthians 12, it's gifts, plural, and it's healings, plural. Example, we John 9, 6, and 7, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Word to the wise. Only do that when the Holy Spirit tells you. <laughs> Verse 7, he told him, go. And it's fun, it's fun I guess. Uh, he told him, go wash yourselves in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus operating there, anointed in, in, the, in a gift of healing. And then the fourth one will be the gift of prophecy. Uh, the, the most well-known example of that in, in Matthew 24 and 25, two massive great passages we hear have what we call the, the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus gives a great big long statement of, of prophecy. And, and the point I'm trying to make with that is, is, we see Jesus skillfully ministering as one anointed in every single story, in every account, in every miracle. We see him flowing seamlessly in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, operating what we like to call naturally, supernatural. It was natural to him. He just flowed with the Holy Spirit. I.e. we see Jesus operating, NGO, doing a message. Into that really quickly, move on to the second one, which I really want to hang out this morning. And the second one is how how do we cultivate such a relationship for ourselves? And as I pondered that th- this week, I-, I came up with three key words. We're going to delve into each. And the first is the word intimacy. The second is the word dependency. And the third is the word curiosity. And if you don't mind me meddling with you a little bit this morning, I'm going to challenge you just a little bit in all of those three areas. And the moral of the story is here we have three pursuits that should lead us into the kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Intimacy, and dependency, curiosity. We're going to go through them quickly one by one. So the first one is, is intimacy. We see Jesus investing in an intimate and a personal and a practical and a continuous relationship with the Holy Spirit. For example, we repeatedly see Jesus breaking away from the crowd, separating himself from his disciples and going up the mountain. Withdrawing, if you like, from the hurly-burly, taking time out to fellowship with God. Luke 5, 5, verse 16, it said, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Under wonder, what was Jesus doing out there on the mountainside? Well, for me, a whole bunch of verbs come to mind. And I'm sure he was praying. I'm sure he was consecrating. I'm sure he was submitting. I mean, Jesus taught his followers to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm sure Jesus was asking. I'm sure he was listening I'm sure, he was perceiving I'm pretty confident he was preparing for what lay ahead. Come on Father, what's, what's, what's the plan today? Where are we going? What am I going to find? What am I going to see? What am I going to do when I get there? And the point really is, is that to Jesus, the Holy Spirit was his constant companion. He was his friend, he was his guide, he was his inspiration, and he was his source. This then becomes the secret to Jesus' fruitfulness in ministry. For me, I can remember many, many years ago, lots and lots of years ago, being really stirred and inspired by a book by Benny Hinn called Good Morning Holy Spirit similar book by Yonggi Cho called called The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner. And as you read books like that, the the revelation dawns that that, that the Holy Spirit is not not an impersonal force. he's He's not the Holy Ghost, a thing to be feared, someone to be hidden from. But actually the Holy Spirit is a person to be befriended. You know, you can know his presence. You can know his comfort and his counsel. You can hear his voice. You can sense that check, that warning. You can experience conviction. You can feel compassion. You can look at that, some, of that, some of that stuff over the next few weeks. But like Jesus, to get to that point, you must cultivate a a close and an open and a two-way relationship. And that means learning to recognize his voice, learning to distinguish it from all the others in all that clamor and clutter. It means learning to recognize when it's him, when it's just you when it's your flesh or or your emotions speaking, when it's your bright ideas and good intentions. Anyone else have some of those? Tell you what the best tip I can give you is. And I said, we're going to unfold this more in the weeks to come. The best tip I can give you when it comes to to cultivating an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit will be to start and then maintain a constant dialogue. When you find yourself at that crossroads, ask him a few questions. Chat it through. When you've you've been through a a situation, revisit that scenario with him. When when you experience that check and you ignore it, go back and say, What did I miss there, Lord? What should I have done? Uh, Offer him the lead. Say, What's next, Lord? Get used to seeking his counsel first and often. Because the reality is, if you want the kind of relationship that Jesus had with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to feed it. You have to invest in it. You have to prioritize it. So word number one is the word intimacy. Word number two is the word dependency. And this is where I'm going to start meddling a little bit you know Jesus made his dependency very 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 clear John 5 verse 19 I tell you the truth verily verily I say unto thee what the the words that Jesus said whenever he meant business he said the son can do nothing by himself just hang that sentence with some of the other statements that I've made already He can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. It's pretty strong language right there. I do nothing by myself. I only do what I see my Father doing. Whatever he does that's what you'll find me doing. He says, and that and only that is what fulfills me. John 4:34. Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So the word depend, you know the word, it means to rely, it means to trust, it means to lean, Dependency is the, is the state in which he, that's the Holy Spirit, he is the first place you turn. That's dependency. His is the first opinion you seek. His is the purpose you pursue. His is the affirmation you value. His are the resources from which you draw. I wonder, we're being honest, Who do you depend on? When push comes to shove, whom do you trust? On what do you lean? And now I'm asking myself that very same question, trust me. See, here's the danger. The danger is I depend on me. I trust my own experiences, good or bad. I default to my own way whether it worked in the past or not. I draw from my own resources and then wonder why I don't get supernatural results. You see, if that's the case, I'm not operating enduo dunamis. I'm operating enduo janimis. John 3, 6, What is born of from the flesh at the amplified is flesh. What is born of the flesh is flesh. Of the physical is physical. And what is born of the spirit is spirit. What do we want? Do we want flesh or do we want spirit? John 6 63, King James says, it is the spirit that quickeneth. I love that. The flesh profiteth nothing. New Translation it says, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. I don't know about you, but I have learned through this school of hard knocks what I can accomplish in my own strength. And it is singularly unimpressive. If we want to produce the results that Jesus produced, We need to learn like him to to, to lean on and to trust in and to rely on. In other words, we need to depend upon God, the Holy Spirit. You know, we see throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus doing unusual, unnatural, supernatural things because he wasn't relying just on his common sense. He didn't just rely on his past experiences. He wasn't just conforming to norms and stereotypes. He was relying on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? That means we all need a spot of retraining. After all, if you think about it, the world is training you to be self-dependent. The world is training you to be self-sufficient. I mean, as parents, is isn't our job to prepare our children so they can stand on their own two feet. But you know what? God wants you to become Holy Spirit dependent. He wants us to be God sufficient. The reality is this is a difficult journey for us. This will require some Romans 12 renewing of the mind. That there will need to be some unlearning of our own ways and relearning of the ways of the Spirit. But you know what? We're aiming at a different target here. We're aiming at clothed with power. We're not aiming at clothed like everyone else. We're not aiming at unrecognizable from the world, we're not aiming at the most comfortable outfit that I can find, we are aiming at N-duo, dunamis. Number three, we're nearly there, number three is the word curiosity. Here's the challenge, are you stuck in a rut, doing what you've always done, or is there more? The danger is we we get so used to doing it our way, the natural way, the same way as everyone else is doing it, that we completely miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Teacher John Osteen said, said, the compassion is the Holy Spirit jumping up and down on the inside of you, saying, let me out, I've got gifts to give that person. So here's the question. Is there, John 6, 63, King James, is there a quickening in here? Is there something stirring? Is there a pull that you can't resist? Is there a flash of inspiration? The sort of idea that's far too bright to have come from my rather small, finite brain. Do you know what? Any of that may well be the Holy Spirit knocking on the door. It may well be the Holy Spirit competing for attention. That's what compassion is. And here becomes the key question. Are we even listening? Have we become so pre-programmed to doing it naturally that we're no longer even considering naturally supernatural? The danger is, is operating 100% from intellect or or emotion, from what we see naturally or we've experienced previously, rather than relying on the Holy Spirit power and inspiration and revelation. See, curiosity asks questions like this. What's going on here? What's really going on? I know what I can see with my natural eyes. What if I was to look through my supernatural, my spiritual, my faith eyes? What would I see? What, Lord, are you already up to? I mean, we delude ourselves when I walk in the room, glory comes. God's already been at work. He's already stirring and he's already leading and he's already prompting. What's, What's the Holy Spirit already up to? Curiously asked, "Okay, I can see what's in front of me, but what do you what do you purpose in this situation?" Question, question like this: what, what could happen here in this room at this time if the Holy Spirit were given unfettered influence and control? And another great question to ask is, "Is Lord, do you have gifts? Do you have gifts to unleash, to give, to pour out at this moment?" i could have called this point i could have called this point expectancy do we expect the holy spirit to do something or not are we anticipating holy spirit involvement or have we ruled it out have we written it off have we stopped looking You see, the danger is, in the absence of curiosity, is that we quench the Spirit's input. Remember that little verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. The Living Translation says, do not stifle the Spirit. The Amplified says, do not suppress or subdue the Spirit. It is the question, do we inadvertently keep the door shut? Or maybe even slam the door shut? Or maybe not even realize there is a door at all? Maybe we open it, just open it ajar, just a tiny bit, a safe distance, so that nothing too radical can get through. Do you know what if you take the radical and the unusual and the supernatural out of the Bible, frankly, there's not a lot left. The Holy Spirit told David to confront Goliath with a sling and a few stones. The Holy Spirit told Gideon to charge at the Midianites with, with lanterns in in clay jars. The Holy Spirit told Daniel to keep praying while King Darius was starving his lions. The Holy Spirit told Jesus to spit on the ground, make a sludge, rub it in the blind man's eyes. The Holy Spirit told Jesus when confronted with the, the beggar at the temple great gate called Beautiful, he told him to say, silver and gold do I, ha- not I'd have none, but such as I have, give I thee. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, told Smith Wigglesworth, to punch the stomach cancer. Again, you've got to know that's the Holy Spirit. You know, curiosity inspired Hudson Taylor to travel to China. It was curiosity that made George Müller make that that strange decision. That he was only going to pray in, in the city of Bristol with all those orphans, rather than raise funds in the usual way. He was just going to get on his knees and pray. And trust that God could do so much more than he could. It was curiosity that, that, that inspired people like John Wimber to pray Holy Spirit, come. See, where there is no curiosity, you won't even be looking. Where, where there is no dependency, you'll just default to doing it your own way and your own strength. When there is no intimacy, You'll never recognize the Holy Spirit's call. Cool. Okay, so I had to respond to that this morning. If the worship team would like to come up ready, that'd be great. Running out of time here. Okay, the response is this. Which of those three words grabbed your attention? Hopefully all of them. But ask the Lord, which, which one? Is it it number one? Is it intimacy? Do you need to invest in cultivating that that closeness of relationship with the Holy Spirit? I'm sure that for some of you, for many of you this morning, you've heard a call. Holy Spirit saying, come closer. Come closer. Come walk with me. Come, Come explore what that relationship might look like and where it might take you. So is it, number one, intimacy? Is it, number two, dependency? Do you need to merely stop doing your own thing and start leaning on the Holy Spirit? So that's where I'm kind of meddling a little bit. But it's a good question to ask the Lord this morning. Have I become too self-dependent? Do I need to become more Holy Spirit-dependent? And the answer to that question is yes. Yes. Maybe that's what the Lord's been stirring this morning. And then the third one is is this word curiosity. Do you need to have a conversation with the Lord this morning? Do you need to open those spiritual eyes? Do you need to to ask leading questions? Do you need to, to start that dialogue with the Holy Spirit in the pursuit of the more of the Lord?